Hey guys, welcome back to Slightly Spiritual. Today we have a guest um, in a expertise that I've been searching for since we started the Slightly Spiritual podcast. We have Angelica Rose Neri coming on, who is an Ayurvedic practitioner. Um, She's also a spiritual business owner. She uses techniques like Ayurveda, yoga, and Reiki um, to help people live their fullest lives, to live their most balanced lives. Ayurveda is something I see thrown around a lot, and I've never really understood what it is, what the proper techniques are, but Angelica really walks us through what Ayurveda is, what it stems from, how it helped her own healing journey. Um, We talk about Ayurvedic practices and Ayurvedic astrology. We talk about chakra imbalances, um, the main energy types, circadian rhythms, um, dasha types, which I did not even know was a thing until we recorded this episode, um, and how to balance yourself out depending on what dasha type you are. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I really did. I hope you find it useful. And um, let's dive in. Angelica, thanks for being here. I'm so excited to be here. Um, so how did, wait, I want to backtrack for a second. How did you and Cindy meet? Because I know that you guys, have you met in person or have you guys done stuff together or how did you guys meet? I was literally just thinking about this a second ago <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I remember. Was it through like Darren and Space Between Yoga? I think the first, I don't know if the first one was, did you do aura photos for Emily Moyer and she had like um, oh, a day retreat yes. event that might have been like the first time I I got introduced to you. Oh, okay. And I was okay. just like, I just loved your energy too. You were like an MG, like super spicy. And then you were like a medium. I'm like, who is this amazing person? And yeah, the reading was just so awesome. And then since then, I've literally recommended so many friends and family to you. And, and I thoroughly enjoy it because then I get to like listen to what their sessions yes. are about. So <laughs> so sweet. No, I love that. Yeah, I totally forgot. That was like such a she was such a, she's such a connector. Like, I feel like that moment I was kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I just said yes. And then there were so many cool connections that came out of that. And people like you that I still talk to, I don't know, that had to be at least, that was at least like for context for everyone listening, at least six years ago, definitely wow. something like that. It was a while yeah. ago. So very long yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Um, so love funny. that. And it's, that's one of those moments where like everything happens for a reason like Cindy's like why am I here why did I do this and then you meet like all these cool people that lead to all these connections and like the universe always has a purpose (laughs) yeah I feel like sometimes in the beginning when you're starting out with businesses you just got to kind of say yes to stuff and then you get to hone it later at least for me because I it was my first time like starting a business so I was just saying yes to a bunch of things and then now I kind of like can say set boundaries easier but yeah you gotta try it first different phase of life, different phase of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Um, So before we hopped on, I was telling Angelica, this felt very serendipitous because I have been looking for someone to come on and lend their expertise in Ayurveda, because I feel like we see so much about it. And there's so many quote unquote, like experts on it on Instagram and like things like that. And it can be really hard to differentiate what's their opinion versus what's the actual practice versus like ways to adopt it into your own life. So I'm super excited. Before we dive into that though, I would love to hear. So I, of course, seems like I was all all over your website. I was all over your blog. I was like back to like your first blog about like your healing journey and um, your health and like symptoms you were going through and all of these things. And I would love to hear about like 
I guess, what was your journey to finding Ayurveda? Like, what did it stem from? Like, what were you, I guess, like going through experiencing? So I think a lot of our listeners are either currently going through or have gone through, you know, it seems like a very similar like life journey to you. Totally. I think this is such a similar journey that a lot of healers go on. It's the message that the physical body starts speaking loudly to them. And to me, this is like the first communication of connecting to your intuition. And it'll come in the form of an autoimmune disease or um, chronic conditions. Uh, I have dealt with a lot of female reproductive imbalances. I just, that's the kind of energy that I've worked with in my own body. And I've consequently attracted those type of clients. So for me specifically, I had amenorrhea, which is a lack of menses for three months. And then I didn't have it for three years at this point. And then I had IBS, which is a blanket term for you've got digestive issues. And I was going to these different doctors. I had to go to the internist for the IBS. I had to go to my OBGYN for amenorrhea. And I was just getting answers that just felt not connected to what I wanted and knew to be true. First of all, it felt like these are in the same, these two imbalances are in the same part of my body. I had just learned the chakra system because I was a yoga instructor. And so I knew it was connected to the sacral chakra. Obviously I wasn't gonna get that answer from those doctors, but I knew that there was like a root cause, right? Of like why this was happening. And it just felt really segmented segmented to go to two different doctors. And then of course their diagnosis and their treatment plans just felt way from what I wanted. So I tried the FODMAP with IBS and, you know, it relieved my system symptoms for a bit, but then it's like so rigid and so impossible to uphold that. And then for amenorrhea, it was like birth control, which I had been on since I was younger because I've always had this issue and I didn't want to do that anymore. My body was like, no more. So I kept on asking for answers. And just like when you follow your intuition, you keep hearing things over and over again. I kept hearing the word Ayurveda, Ayurveda, like it was very enchanting because, you know, it's a Sanskrit word. So you don't even know what it means, but it's just very alluring. And I find that healers who get called Ayurveda, the same thing happens to them too. They're like, yeah, I don't know. I just like kept hearing this word. It kept coming up in different ways. So I stumbled upon this book. I think like one of my best friends who like doesn't even study or really know about Ayurveda gave it to me. And I read it front to back and it just was like, oh my God, this is it. Ayurveda, it taught me the main principles in that. And it taught me that Ayurveda diagnoses the root cause of the imbalance rather than symptom. And at that point I hadn't heard anything like that. So that was like mind changing for me. And then it was a mind, body, spirit, holistic science. So it was taken into consideration all these different experiences that I was having and being able to explain it in one place. And then it also said that each person has a unique mind, body, spirit. So even if me and other person has IBS and amenorrhea, our treatment plans are gonna be completely different. And it just felt so validating. It felt like I was really being seen and finally being heard and all these things that I had. So once I read that book, I was like, you'll find out later when I talk about what a fiery type is in Ayurveda, but I'm that type where I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm just gonna get certified in this and become an Ayurvedic practitioner and that's my thing and I'm gonna learn how to heal myself. So I like did all my research and looking into like the best schools and the best school for me was this one in California. Um, I signed up for it to become an Ayurvedic practitioner and just learning the science again. Um, I know you talked on your podcast too about like kind of claircognizant that like inner knowing. And when I was learning it, it was very much like, oh yeah, I know this. Um, I think because it's an intuitive science, but I think also I've had like a lot of past lives with it. So it was just like a remembering of like, oh yeah, this, duh, this is what this means. So it all just kind of like really flowed really well together and just became so much a part of my identity. Um, and especially when I was growing my business too, it just really felt like, yes, this is a science that I resonate with and um, 
has helped me heal my body so much. I mean, so from there, I was able to heal a lot of my digestive issues and um, feel back in balance. And it just felt so empowering that I could do that with diet and lifestyle practices, some herbal supports, but just doing it in a really natural way that I wasn't given those answers with Western doctors. And I just also want to say, like, I think Western medicine is incredible for what it does, but there's a time and a place for different types of medicines that we need. Oh, I totally agree with you. And I, you know, I think you make a really good point. And I had a very similar journey where you have these things wrong with you. Nobody can figure it out. You're not really getting all the answers you need. And, um, you know, yes, like Western medicine has played a huge part in my healing, but so has the spiritual metaphysical diet, you know, how you eat, like all of those things, that piece of it, I don't think I would be where I am now without it. Um, and I think that that's so important. Um, can you kind of give us like a crash course in what Ayurveda is as like a jumping off point for people? Definitely. So Ayurveda is one of the most ancient holistic healing sciences in the world. And we don't know the exact date of when it dates back from from 5,000 to 10,000 years. The reason why there's such a large discrepancy is because traditions like that were passed on orally back then because you had to have worthy inquiry to sit at the feet of your guru to listen and to receive that information. So that's where that is. But with a lot of these ancient sciences, um, it gets back to like the truth of who you are um, so it's less about like even the writing down anyways, like there's certain, there's certain things about learning this science too, that like only you can like really know it from like your own known experience, like direct experience that I really want to emphasize. So there's three principles I always say with Ayurveda. The first one is that it treats the root cause of the imbalance. So rather than saying, oh, I have IBS, we say, okay, well, what was that first symptom that you had that really, um, was that tall marker of why it went into disease. And so there's, it gets really specific in Ayurveda, actually, when you go into the ancient texts and you read about it. Um, just for general purposes today, we'll say that the main system that Ayurveda treats is the digestive system because that is directly correlated with our diet and our lifestyle practices. So if we can heal our digestive system, we can simultaneously heal all the other seven systems of the body that Ayurveda says. So that's why there's such a heavy emphasis on that. If you read things about Ayurveda, it's always like digestion, digestion, and everyone's like, okay, we get it. But if you're feeling like gas and bloating, or if you're having um, irritable bowel syndrome, which is like alternating diarrhea and constipation that is going to affect all other systems of the body. The second principle of Ayurveda is that it's a holistic science and takes into consideration the mind, the body, and the spirit. Um, so all bodies that you have. And it says that each person's experience is going to be so different based on a lot of different factors. So your environment you're in, the climate that you're in, um, your ancestral background, like it doesn't miss a beat. Anything in your life that has happened, I take that in consideration. It could also be, this also has to do with like your astrology. There's a different form of astrology that's associated with this lineage, which is called Vedic astrology. Um, you know, similar themes as Western, but it's just uh, done in a more specific mathematically calculated way. So there's all these things that they can take in consideration that you are a unique person, which leads to the last principle is that each person has a unique mind, body, spirit, and their treatment plan and the way that they are going to go about their diet and lifestyle practices is going to be completely different. And while that can seem like 
whoa, there's so many possibilities in Ayurveda, there's templates that we can kind of understand that there's these different energies and you can kind of start to see some themes, which I'm sure we'll go into later today. So people can start to be like, where do I fit in? But the most important thing I want to empower people is that you are the only one who can really know what's right for your body, that the only way that you can make this science valid is by validating it through your direct experience, which is spoken in the ancient texts, by the way, that that's why I really want to share Ayurveda in a modern approach, because sometimes we can be really rigid in sharing these ancient sciences and take them as religion. I think that's like a projection of the conditionings that we've had and, you know, this whole world that we got brought up into, which I've definitely fallen into that those traps. But you have to constantly remember that what is true for your body right now, this science is meant to be dynamic by nature. So it's going to change based on what is current and relevant to the times. But at the core of it and the, the main truths of it will always remain the same. I love this because even if you're working with like an Eastern practice practitioner or a medium or a Western doctor, I really feel like everything should go through your internal, like, you know, metric system of like, wait, does this feel true for me at this time? And again, that can change to your point. Like the body's always changing. So that can change from like year over year, month to month. And then you take a step further. And even when you're a mom with kids, like putting everything that you're digesting, you're getting through, not, not physically digesting, but taking in information. Like, does it feel like truth? And I think we, to your point, we've totally like been conditioned out of that from a very, very, very young age. And I think it's so important that any practice, but especially this one, I love that it like leads with that. I think that's so like powerful and so needed. Like, even if you find that it's not exactly what you want or whatever, at least you're taking away like key things that you can like learn and put towards other areas in life too. You know what I mean? So totally. So cool. Cause you can even see, like, if you learned all this information and you were like, okay, well, I, then this is what I did totally like that fiery sign, like, oh, well, if I want to be the perfect Ayurveda practitioner, I must be doing everything that Ayurveda says to do. But that wasn't what my body needed in that moment. I needed to learn it slowly and gradually over time because it wasn't sustainable. And then that can cause its own imbalance because then you're burning out and exhausted from it. So you can only be like real with what's going on right now. I love that. Very cool. I know. And I'm curious to know from from you because you are so intuitive and although you know you live by Ayurveda and all these things like you're saying it's completely different from person to person and you kind of pick and choose like what feels right to you what doesn't feel right to you so what I guess what does like the practice look like for you in your life yeah it's really evolved it it constantly has evolved so in Ayurveda, there, there's so many different principles and rules. So if you, your first taste of Ayurveda is like, oh gosh, like it's rule based. I remember like telling people like, oh, Ayurveda, you can't drink and you have to be vegetarian. I'm like, what? <laughs> so like, <laughs> I whatever, if, if you've had a past concept of what it is, I um, implore you just to get curious on that and to see, because um, it doesn't have to be rigid in that way. Um, but I feel you if you feel that way, because there's certain ways in which it's being taught in that. Um, for me right now, it's morning routine is really like brings me the most stability. So um, I resonate. So kind of going back a little bit, when I talk about that, each person is given a unique mind, body, spirit type, there's different energy types in Ayurveda. There's three main energy types. So I'll go into all of them, but just to get a taste of it, the energy type that I resonate a lot with is the Pitta energy type. And that's the fiery one. 
So I'm always looking to balance this fire. And that's all it is in Ayurveda. It's okay, understanding what energy am I feeling and what energy is in excess? And then how can I bring it back into balance? And we already do this intuitively. So like the most basic example, you can say it's like a hot, hot summer day. You're so hot. Are you going to be having like hot soup and like something that's like really spicy? Like that would feel awful. So no, you're going to have something cooling. You're going to want ice cream or juicy fruits and coconuts and avocados. These are things that like we're already naturally doing in our bodies. So Ayurveda just says lean into those energetics and how can I see this in a more deeper way? And then when it gets really fun, like you could really apply this principle to just quite literally every aspect of your life. So for me right now, even though we're in quote unquote winter and you know, I live in LA, so it's like winter, but I always have like fire imbalances. So it's really about like, I'm, I could feel myself getting sick right now. And although usually like when you get sick, you think like mucus and that type of thing. Like for me, it's always like inflammation and heat in the body. So I'm taking herbs that are really cooling and are going to help to like kind of put down that fire and take away some of that inflammation. Um, and like I said, the morning routine is really important in Ayurveda because that sets our circadian rhythm for the rest of the day. So a lot of Ayurveda is saying that we are a direct reflection of nature. Um, and so the more that we can just get in alignment with what what we are, what nature is marrying to us, then we can feel balance in our bodies. And so one of the ways is by aligning with the rhythms of the sun. Um, it's also about aligning with the rhythms of the moon. So the rhythms of the sun is basically the circadian rhythm, which we all know is like biohacking in today's day and age. So it comes from Ayurveda for sure. It's like the OG biohacker. So you wake up with the sun, you do your peak activities at the peak of the sun, like eating your biggest meal, maybe doing a workout, maybe doing some of your harder work in your career. And then you start to wind down. Um, you start to have more ease into your night so that you're not overstimulated and that you can have a fully restful sleep. So morning routine is so key for that because it sets up the energy for the rest of the day. If you go, if you're flying out of your bed and flying at the seat of your pants, that energy is going to be mirrored throughout your day. You're going to feel anxious. You're going to feel overwhelmed. However, if you wake up at the same time every day, it's like one of the best hacks of life, literally just waking up at the same time every day. It sets your system up for so much because your body feels safe and it knows that it can do the same activities that it needs to do, like going to the bathroom at the same time every day, which majority of people have issues with, or having stable energy levels, or um, having enough time to do your spiritual practices and to do the things that really fill you up. So my morning routine, I've worked hard on this. This has not happened overnight, but it is like my religion. Like I, even if I'm traveling at this point, I'm pretty good about my morning routine. So it's waking up. I do tongue scraping, which is an Ayurvedic technique of removing excess toxins that live in the back of your tongue. Once you do it once, you're never going to stop doing it. Um, a tongue scraper is just like a little metal prong that you can get off of Amazon. And you scrape your tongue from the back to the front gently three to five times. And it gets rid of toxins from the body from the night before. So you don't put that back into your system. Um, and then I have warm lemon water that also helps to stimulate digestion in the morning, it also cleanses the GI tract because you know toxins can build up in the GI tract over time during the nighttime. And so you can cleanse that, cleanses the liver in the morning. I meditate every day. I do a little card pull. I connect with my guides and my intuition, kind of get what's going on for the day. And, um, and then I do a workout because that is so important is to feel connected into my body. And 
breakfast and that's pretty much it like I and I say that because I used to have a morning routine that was three hours I kid you not because I studied in India for a month and I got back and I was like all right I guess this is my life now like I, <laughs> I have to do this for three hours and I was miserable so your morning routine can look super simple it doesn't have to be so crazy it could look like five minutes um and it can really change your life I'm obsessed with all of this wait question for you. When you said like do things with the sun and you're saying wake up at the same time every morning, are you recommending then that clients like, or that people you work with, like wake up when the sun wakes up or like, can it still be like you like to wake up at seven o'clock, even if it's like summer and the sun was rising at like five 30, like how do people, or how do you recommend like balancing with that? Cause I'm really like noticing the seasons and like, I'm so like exhausted lately, but I'm like, it's also winter and we're supposed to be hibernating. And like, I think it's okay. And I'm not sick. I just am like more tired and sleeping more. And I'm like, intuitively in my head, I'm like, what's wrong with me? And then I'm like, I don't think there's anything wrong. I think it's winter and I'm just, my body's craving more rest. So yeah, I guess it's kind of a two-part question. Like, do you also help people or does the practice also speak to that, the seasons? And then yeah, the timing, when you say wake up in the morning at the same time, is it based on the sun or is it just whatever works for you? Totally. It's so nuanced. So yes, every season is different too. The energy changes in the season, right? The sun changes, the the climate. So you, I change my morning routine based on the season um, and kind of like slowly adjust with that, but your body will naturally do it. Like you said. So yeah, rising with the sun means, so typically in Ayurveda, there's different recommendations for each energy type. Um, it's recommended for the Vata types, which I can go into this after so people know what type they resonate with. Um, I also have like a little mini quiz that maybe we can put in the show notes that people can take. It's like f- five minutes um, just to kind of give you a little taste of it. Um, so Vata dosha, which is mainly rated to the air element, uh, those types, it's best for them to wake up 30 minutes after the sunrise. For the fiery types, it's best for them to wake up exactly with the sunrise and then for the kappa types the earth signs it's best for them to wake up a half hour before the sunrise there's so many conflicting things too though i mean you have like the yogic texts that say wake up at 4 30 and that's like the amrit vela which is like sweet nectar hour so 4 to 6 a.m that's like when you have you're in that like subliminal space and you can have the you know the veil is very thin I'm not, it's never been for me to do that. So, you know, that hasn't worked for me. So just, if you can even just pick a time where if seven o'clock is too early for you, if like you have a night job, you know, like I'm always working with people's schedules. So whatever your wake up time is, just set it for yourself that can feel feasible and just starting with that and keeping that as your marker can, can change so much. So yeah, it's nuanced, depends. I love that. Thank you. Also sidebar, I started tongue scraping like, I don't know, years ago now. And I, you're right. Once you start, you literally cannot stop. And when I travel, like I often forget to bring it. And then I'm like, no, like I notice a difference. I'm like, ah, spoon, spoon. Highly. Oh, that's a good, Uh. thank you for that tip. Love that. So (laughs) highly recommend everyone get one on Amazon and, or use a spoon in the meantime. That's great. (laughs) I literally, after this, the first thing I'm going to do is order a tongue scraper. (laughs) um I learned something new every episode and I'm like this at least is an an easy thing to adopt into my routine that like I think is pretty accessible for everybody listening um wait I want to backtrack again and can you tell us a little bit about like I don't know if they're called the themes or the types like how you're saying some people are more fiery some more airy and because this I know nothing literally nothing about this 
Yes. So in Ayurveda, this is what Ayurveda is mostly known for is knowing your dosha type. And it's just because I think we are in this world of everyone's so fascinated with knowing more about themselves and astrology signs. I think it's so fun. So in Ayurveda, we call them the dosha types, which actually means imbalance. So already it's telling us that we by nature are going to have imbalances in our body. And it's just about constantly working with that those different energies so there's three main types and they are related to your astrology sign again it's related to vedic so it may be a little bit different if you're looking at your western chart and you're like oh doesn't really align um and it takes a practitioner to really get clear on what your doshas are so we're just speaking in general terms take the quiz it's just something fun to kind of jump get you jumping off of but just know that um it gets really more detailed when you work with a practitioner so you can have one main energy type but you're all of the types because we're all of nature. We have all of these within us. And you can have um, also two main types. I'll say off the bat, like you could feel like, well, I actually feel like an even amount of two of these. Um, and then there's the very rare type. And I say this all the time because a lot of people are like, I think I'm tridoshic. And that's not something you want to like strive for. It's actually a difficult um, place to be in to be tridoshic. But it's very rare, like one percentage, I would say the population is tridoshic. So the first energy type I'll talk about is kapha, and kapha is made up of the earth and the water element. So similar to Chinese herbal medicine, there's five elements. There's five elements in Ayurveda. They're just a little bit different. So earth and water, these are the heaviest of the elements. So when you think of earth signs, what do you think? Reliable, supportive, strong, durable, um, consistent, and comfort, right? So how would this uh, mirror in a person? I always give the example of my sister. She is a very much a kappa type. So these are like the mama bears of the group. They're the ones who are going to plan everything. They're the ones who are going to take care of everyone. If you have a friend where you're like going through it, this is the friend you call up and they're going to carry you out of it. They're going to support you. Like they'll drop whatever they have to do. I have a kappa friend too, where I'm like, she will never not answer a FaceTime. Like she'll be like in the back, she'll be in the shower. She answered the FaceTime. I'm like, why are you answering the FaceTime right now? Like you're in the shower. It's okay. <laughs> dedication exactly devoted committed um she they're also homebodies like covid was like a godsend to her she's like oh my god i could be in my bed all day she has something called like the softest blanket in the world um loves everything that's like cozy and comfortable kappa body types tend to have more um earth to them so they can be bigger bone they can have these beautiful curves to them because that's related to the water element um, and they can have like really big facial features like big eyes um, or big lips and really thick hair um and again like i'm just stereotypically speaking of like what a typical kappa would be this doesn't usually align like this now, when kappas are out of balance, they tend to get stubborn. So think about earth signs, right? Like we all know the Capricorns and the Taurus. It's like they're stuck in their ways. It's really hard for them to budge. And this can also make them feel heavier in their bodies. Sometimes this can be like depression or feeling sad. It could be weight gain. And then also kappas tend to get respiratory issues really frequently because that is related to mucus and that heaviness. So I swear, anytime my sister gets sick, it's like always mucus central for her. Like that's like the go-to because there's excess water in the body that's already wanting to be released. Um, this could be like water retention as well. And kappas are really funny too. It's like they have a plan and let's say you're like, oh, well, you know, maybe we should do this today. It's like, uh-uh, like no way. Like I plan this. So my sister, she plans a lot of our family trips and I, we have like this like 15 page itinerary. And I swear if someone's like, 
oh, like maybe we should do this today. And like, we just look over her and she's like, like, are you kidding me? Like, why are we going off the plan? It's like, I researched this, like, this is the best option for us. Like, there's just, it's just so funny to see that way. Like, I could be more like Vata than I'm like, let's go with the flow. And she's like, uh uh-uh, we're not going with the flow. So it's so funny to see like the dynamics and how they um, interact with each other. But Kappas, when they're in balance, they just have really big hearts and they're very thoughtful. Like my sister gets me the most thoughtful gifts ever. I'm like, I don't even know I wanted that. Like, how did you know I, I needed that? It was amazing. They're just super, very motherly and nurturing energy. When they're out of balance, I would say the biggest thing for Kappas is boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. I mean, we see this with a lot of healers. They're feelers. They're clairsentient. They can feel others' emotions. They take them on as their own. And they say yes to everything because that's where they feel a lot of their worth and their value. But it's really when they say no and they can fill their cup up that they realize they can serve their people more. That is like the biggest soul lesson that I've seen with a lot of the Kappa healers. That is so interesting. And just like listening to all of that I was like that's me not every single thing like especially when you were talking about like the chest infections because that my entire life has been my thing is I get these like wicked um chest infections that I just no matter what like cannot get rid of but it's really interesting hearing you describe things so I'm like very curious to hear the other two yeah yeah so yeah everyone usually can like resonate with one so um Yeah, it's so interesting to see like the different ways that you are with each one. So the next one is Pitta and Pitta is made up of fire and a little bit of water. Now Pitta types are known for being, you know, we know our Aries and our Scorpios, like they are sharp, they're quick witted, they have a goal in mind and a vision and it's like nothing is going to get in the way. Um, Very goal oriented, they love to succeed, they are, um, yeah, they're just motivated, they're fiery beings. They've got their own internal engine going on. And when Pitta's body type, they tend to be like more muscular and like kind of like even body types. Um, they can have like sharper facial features. Like you'll always see Pitta's kind of having these like cleft chins or just like really unlike sculpted faces sometimes. Um, and more of that kind of like fiery type of qualities you can tell. When a Pitta is out of balance, they can be competitive, they can be jealous, they can be critical. I notice a lot of pittas that I work with that inner critic really comes out with them. They can be super, super hard on themselves. And um, in the body, this relates to inflammation, which I know is such a general bigoted term, which is why I think this is why, like, you know, we're speaking in general terms, but Ayurveda can get so, so specific. But it's interesting because I think in our world right now, we're going through this, like, a lot of people are having a lot of pitta imbalances and that's because we're valuing so much that our work our worth is in our work and that is really the sole lesson of pittas is that it's not all about the success that you create and all the visions that you're bringing into life but it's really about you have this fiery nature to you which is so beautiful and thank god like it makes our world run and it's so inspiring to see and you're really pioneering a lot of things in that way but you also have this watery energy to you. That water is emotions, is compassion, it's play, it's joy, it's feminine energy. So this has been a huge part of what my journey is, is realizing like, I love that fiery side of me that's like quick and sharp and witty um, and confident and authentic. But without the balance of rest and play and joy, it's like that can get stripped away completely. And then you get totally lost. And like, what am I even doing anymore? Like, why am I doing this? So the medicine for Pitta's a lot of times is just that. It's like 
resting. It's taking breaks in the day. Um, it's cooling down. It's being able to have more self-love and compassion for themselves. So they can have it for other people. And pittas do get a bad rap of like being the like bossy ones, but truly when they are in balance, like they could do both. They can be these great visionary leaders and succeed and also have this balance of like joy and play in into their lives. And um, yeah, I'm trying to think if I covered all of that. Yeah, mind, body, spirit, That that that's the pittadosha. I feel like in my head right now, I'm like, I feel like, you know, I like you compare yourself to the Sex and the City characters. I'm like, in this whole yes. thing, I'm like, okay, I think I'm a Kappa, but you just described the Pitta and that's literally me to a T and all my like vices. So I'm like, oh God, now which one am I? Because I can't remember. Honestly, I know you told me and I know we probably, I just don't remember. So now I feel like I'm like, in, I'm like, well, I really want to be like this one, but most days I'm more like this one. So anyways, just had to, that's what's going on in my head right now. That's a perfect example. After I finish the last type, I'm going to explain like why that is. So the um, the last type is the Vata type made up of air and ether. So think about our air elements. Um, these are the types that are so creative, like true artists and like a lot of fairy energy, like all the like classic Vatas in my life are just like running on their toes, like at the seat of their pants. They're like world travelers are going from one thing to the next. Like they are just and they have these ideas that are just like incredible. I always give the example of my best friend who um, is a Vata to a T. Like she's like, I don't she's like, are you writing these posts about me? Like whenever I like write on Instagram, cause it's like so her and I do, I have her in mind, honestly, cause it's like she fits the bill. So Vatas by nature, their body is very light. Um, so they'll tend to be, have like more smaller bones, more narrow frames, you know, difficult for them to put on weight. Um, but when they're out of balance in their body, they're going to feel more gas, bloating, and constipation. Um, Vata is also related to the nervous system. So anxiety, overwhelm, and getting um, unfocused is kind of like the Vata's MO, which again, anxiety, very big term that we use in a lot of society. And so in Ayurveda, in the ancient texts, when they go through each of the diseases and they list them, about 90% of the diseases that they list are related to a vata imbalance. So majority of the world has a vata imbalance. So you could be a pitta or a kappa, but you could have a vata imbalance, right? So um, I'll go into that a little bit more detail once I finish vatas. So vatas are known for just like very creative. My friend, she's a fashion designer. She's always kind of been out there and like dance to the beat of her own drum and like really own that about herself. Like that's really important for vatas is to know like, I'm different, I'm unique, and I have to follow my own path. Like, it was never a question that she wasn't going to go to school and go and be a fashion designer. But I mean, how crazy is that to say to people? Um, and now she's doing it, obviously, because she knew that she would. And that was like the path that she was meant to go into. Vatas love to be into like all the spiritual stuff. Not that any dosha couldn't be spiritual, but Vatas really love like the crystals and the esoterics. Like, it's because Vatas really love to be in the mind. So they love to think like, um, existentially and they love to think like really outside of the box so when vatas are out of balance and they're feeling that anxious and overwhelm um they just need to bring in the opposite elements so that air element needs to be grounded with the earth element so morning routines is so king for vatas any type of routine because their body just wants consistency the reason why they really resist that is because spiritually they want to rebel that's just in their nature spiritually they want to do everything different so when you tell a vata like you have to do the same team every day it's like a death sentence to them because they feel like they're not using their creativity when really they just need to channel that creativity in their own way usually when i work with vatas it's like 
they've lost their creative practice and that's why they're so out of balance. Like they don't feel like they have that outlet. So they're using it in other ways when you can have your time for creativity and enjoy that. And then also know that your body needs that consistency. So morning routine can be really grinding for Vata's foods that are really grounding like root vegetables. Um, if you eat meat, eating meat can be really helpful for Vata's because it really grounds their body and builds muscle tissue, which can be more difficult for their body naturally to put on. And um, foods that are just kindly slightly cooked with oil can do wonders for the digestive system. There's so many times I've had vatas where they were like raw vegan, only ate raw vegetables, bloated their whole life, like 10 years bloated, and did an Ayurvedic cleanse with me, or I just told them to start lightly cooking their foods with spices, and immediately like the bloating and the gassing was, was, was gone. And that's just because they're drier by nature, so they need to have more of that water element that's going to be more unctuous to them they need more of that earth element that's going to ground them and um and then of course fire for vatas vatas are known for being always cold cold hands cold feet and so they need warmth they need spices they need warming foods um and herbs to bring them into balance so you are all the doshas it's true and your constitution is a unique combination of all of them. There are unique percentages you can have one main one for the sake of today just think of like one main one you could be or dual dosha, I would say. Sometimes people are like pretty much pretty even too. Then from there, knowing that that is who you are in your constitution, you can have an imbalance. So typically I do see like pittas tend to get out of balance with the pitta dosha because like, likes, like, we like more fire, even though it's not good for us. All the pittas are like spicy food, overworking, like give me all the things that makes me feel good. Um, Cause it's like what you know. But um, a pitta can very well have a vata imbalance. A vata can very well have a kapha imbalance. So it's just about knowing um, what you're feeling in your body. So interesting. Um, Cindy, I'm curious, did Angelica ask, answer your question about who hangs out together or who's attracted to each other? Oh, I don't, yeah. I was just wondering if like, I feel like this might just be me. But I feel like with just regular, like the regular astrology signs, not the Vedic astrology. I feel like a lot of like, I have a lot of the same groups of friends. Like I tend to gravitate towards like Aries and Libra. And so then I was just thinking as you were talking, like, do certain dosha types tend to hang out together? Like, do they run in like, like, have you seen that? Or Yeah, in packs. I know I didn't want to say it like that, but do they run in packs? Or do you, this is just a silly question about like, you know, just the types of people that you're around and the types of people that you're attracting in. I think it's a great question because it's, I don't know, like as we learn and grow more in ourselves and figure out like what we need as individuals, I don't know, I think it's good to be like cognizant of who you spend time with, how they make you feel, how you balance each other out. Like even outside of like romantic relationships, I think friendships, I don't know, like we have so many soulmates in life and it's good to know about them. This is so funny. I was talking about with my friends a couple weeks ago and I'm like, when I look at like my close group of friends, like I kind of have like different groups, but like close, like my high school friends and like college and dance friends. And I'm like, every single person in my group is like main character energy. Like I, you know, like they're like very bold personalities. I'm like, is this like a thing? Like, is does everyone feel that way about their group of friends? And then it got me thinking about that. And I was like, no, I'm definitely friends with a lot of fiery types. Like Leo season is like absolutely bonkers for me. I have all my friends (laughs) are are Leos in a lot of ways. Like everyone is, and I'm a Leo. So, um, 
I definitely think that that happens because you can really understand each other and get that. But like you said, you attract the people where you can learn from too. Like, and I think like these energies can really balance each other. So I think in relationships and couples, at least from like the women that I've worked with, I work with a lot of pittas, a lot of fiery energies, but I'll notice I'll have like a kappa man in their life to really ground them, um, to really give them that, that nurturing that they're really wanting to mirror them like the medicine that they need in their life too. That's beautiful. That was really neat. That makes sense. Um, so I know you said that you have a quiz on your website to kind of figure out what you are and jumpstart that process, which I will link in the show notes. Um, other than like starting there, is there a way that you recommend people like start to figure themselves out with this or like small adaptions they can make in their day-to-day life? And I guess it doesn't, just have to be with like the specific themes, but I guess maybe with like Ayurveda in general. Yeah, I love that. So yeah, just knowing your energy type can be really helpful. And on Instagram, I really go through the doshas like all the time. Like my posts are always like the vata, pitta and kappa. And you can see the world through this lens. Like you can apply into everything. And so I'm really interested in like the spiritual concepts. So you'll see a lot of times like I do things about like limiting beliefs and I'll do about like knowing what your intuitive gifts are. And so if I think identifying that part of you this on the soul level can be like the most healing. Um, but if you're, there's so many different directions in Ayurveda, you can go in like diet and lifestyle practices. But I think playing around with the energies is the first and foremost of just connecting back to your body and how it's feeling. So, you know, when you're feeling like over, if you feel more of that heat within you, um, then how can you bring in the water element to balance it? things that are more cooling? So working with food, I think is the most fun and accessible and easy with diet. Cause we can play around with it. It's something we have to practice and do multiple times a day. So if you are feeling like you have more of that inflammation in your body, this could be redness, this could be acne, this could be looser stools, burning indigestion, um, chronic conditions, then I would recommend bringing in foods that are cooling. Things like bitter greens are really great for pittas because it cleanses the liver. Um, Things like root vegetables are also really cooling, like sweet potatoes and carrots. Um, if you eat meat, eating meat can also be really good for pittas because it can really ground them. Um, and things like coconut can be really cooling for them. So kind of starting to go in that direction and just noticing, like, by all means, don't change your diet just because these are things that I said, but, you know, try it. Maybe you your body has already been telling you that. That's like the m- number one sign. And then you're like, oh, yeah, like intuitively, I've been thinking about bananas. I don't know. Then you start eating bananas and it it feels good for you. Um, For kappas, if you're feeling more of that heaviness, like the best example is like after Thanksgiving, you feel heavy after that meal. What do you do the next day? You want to get moving. You want to have something light. Like having that Thanksgiving meal again sounds literally awful. So if you're feeling that in your body, then how can you incorporate more of, you know, vegetables um and it's all about balance too and and soups and how can you incorporate movement that feels really good in your body but doesn't feel like it's shaming you or you feel like you have to do it but like intuitively like oh yeah that would be fun to go and like take a dance class or something like that um just to kind of start working with the energies and then with vatas if you're feeling ungrounded um ground 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 is like the best thing for vatas um stability and structure and routine is the best thing so just waking up at the same time every day can truly change your life if you're a vata who's not already doing that and um 
having some type of little morning ritual for yourself can be extremely grounding to the nervous system. Food-wise, for vatas, heavier foods like sweet potatoes and carrots, like those root vegetables can be really good. Easy to digest foods um, like squashes, some things that have more of the water element to them because you tend to just be drier by nature and we're in winter time as well, which can turn, it's vata season. So it's drying by nature. So even if you don't have a vata imbalance, we tend to get out of balance more with these seasons. So having things that are very warm and unctuous, I mean, it makes sense in winter, all you want is like a nice bowl of soup. Um, things that are really warm and cozy. And that's why we love cinnamon in the fall. Like the OG um, pumpkin spice latte brought to you by Ayurveda is because, you know, you want things that are warm that are going to help you with like bloating and gas. So I think just first leaning into all the ways that you're already intuitive and you're already doing that and empowering yourself and being like, yeah, I am intuitive. I know how to do these things. Um, and then just whatever direction that you're interested in starting to go into that. I have so many resources on my Instagram that you can check out. And um, I have a lot of free resources on my website too, um, based on like the kind of different directions you want to go into. You do have really good resources. I did notice that even in like your blogs, as I was reading them, they're very in-depth. They're very easy to understand, even though the topics are like intense, um, which I give you a lot of credit for. Thank you. Um, I completely kind of jumping topics because I heard you mention it earlier that Ayurveda is based off of something or in conjunction, done in conjunction with something called Vedic astrology. So what is that? And how is that different than like astrology you hear about day to day, I guess? Okay. So Vedic astrology, the short, so I'm like, how, how many directions can I go to? So the short reason, <laughs> the short as I can do science wise is the earth has a natural wobble, right? It's not like straight up, just going circles. So it's tilted on an axis at 23.5 degrees. And when the sun goes around the earth every year, it doesn't go back to that same exact point. So you can't see right now you're listening to this, but I'm drawing a circle around the earth because I'm a visual learner. And so because it's that wobble, it goes to a different point every year. Now, if we were to think about at zero AD, Western astrology and Vedic astrology were the same thing because that was that same point. But now that we're in 2024, Vedic astrology takes into consideration there's that little wobble. So we're not in that same zero degrees anymore. It's shifted. It's shifted now to be actually almost one full sign, 23.5 degrees. That's just where we're at right now in 2024. And so that's why often when, because I always post about the new and the full moon, you'll see that I'm always a um a sign before it is so for example i think we just had this new moon it was in capricorn in western right it was in capricorn yes right okay so in vedic it was in sagittarius so i always have to be like i do vedic astrology because i get so many people <laughs> you're wrong um so <laughs> so it's just one degree back um and so that's that, that's it that's the basis of vedic astrology is that it's mathematically calculated so that it says the exact point and so if you even open up the starwalk app and you see the moon on that day and you're like oh it's like it's actually in sagittarius like it's completely over it. i see how like capricorn's like a little bit off from it um that's how it's calculated now now no one's right right or wrong like i love western astrology and i think that it describes me in such different ways but it's true and the reason why it's true is because western astrology is based off the seasons right we know every spring that's aries that starts the, the spring season that's that's how what it's based off of. So Vedic astrology is different, calculated based on the degrees. And so because of that, there's going to be different nuances um, 
the signs are the same, but Vedic astrology also has star signs. So within those 12 zodiac signs, there's 26 star signs called nakshatras. So every new and full moon, I'll say like, oh, it's in this specific star sign. So it just gets very detailed. And then that could be used to your um, advantage or disadvantage. Sometimes people go, if you go to India and you go to certain, like Vedic astrology is kind of like if you go to New Orleans sometimes and you go and you get like palm readers and you're like getting like voodoo things, like, okay, like it's fun, but like it's it's too much, right? And it's, so sometimes Vedic astrology can be like that and get a bad rap because it's like, you're going to die on this day and you're going to get married on this day. And it is kind of crazy because it can, if you get someone who's really smart, it can calculate those things. But then it's like, do I need to know that? Like, I, I don't know yeah. if like, that's really helpful for me. So it gets really specific, but, um, and sometimes it can be really helpful in certain ways. And then, um, yeah, there's a lot of different nuance and differences, but that's the main one. It sounds like you would have to just have really good boundaries with it because it's like you're saying it's, it can be really useful in some ways but in other ways it's like I don't need to know what day I'm gonna die just surprise me <laughs> yes. surprise me show me the door like you know <laughs> I need to know right now um Cindy do you have any other questions I mean I have so many questions I know we're gonna have but we've to do covered so much that my head sure. is like spinning I'm like oh my god <laughs> I and I I like I'm somewhat familiar not really familiar but like I've this isn't the first time I'm like learning about yeah. this, you know, and I'm still like, oh my God, I like learned so much today. So this was amazing. It yeah. really was. This was incredible. And I think this really showed me and hopefully also showed listeners that, you know, these practices, you don't have to be as rigid as maybe you think you do. There's ways, there's approachable ways to adopt them and they're into your day-to-day -day life. Um, and like even hearing you talk about like the inflammation, like balancing out inflammation, like things of that nature, like it's just so useful. So I appreciate you taking the time to share your knowledge with us. And um, I will link if you want to work with Angelica or look at any of her resources, I will no, I will link all of it in our show notes. And um, I'm I, so grateful. I guess that is one question. Like, I'm interrupting, I'm interrupting Allie for a go, second. Cindy, but go. how, like, how do you like to work with a client like is it like a over question. a two-month period or is it like you know one and done or is it you do like an intro and then if they like what not like you but obviously you're amazing um but if they enjoy like want to continue like how does it how does it work just like briefly kind of a nutshell like what can someone expect if they want to reach out to work with you yeah, totally. And also, thank you so much. I'm so happy it resonated with both of you. Not that I knew that it wouldn't, but it just means everything. So thank you. Um, I typically work with women in my membership. So Ayurveda is very much like a slow, gradual changes over time and really easing your way into things because that's really what longevity is too. So I love working with the women in my membership. And so each month we do new and full moon ceremonies and I'll have different workshops like a Pitta workshop or a Vata workshop. And I work with a lot of healers who are also working on their business. So when I say that Ayurveda can be used in like terms of your, your diet and lifestyle, that's very much how I started my business. And I still have that in there. Um, but a lot of times I attract healers who are kind of starting to build their business. And I help them see that business through the Ayurvedic lens and how, if they're a Pitta type, how they can balance their business, knowing that about themselves. And so that's kind of all in the membership. You get all these live experiences, these workshops. I work with you one-on-one, -on -one, um, very intuitive 
I'm really about everyone getting to know what their intuitive gifts are so that they get to teach themselves mm -hmm. and get to be their own teacher. So I'm basically teaching you all these practices in this community where you get to learn from each other and um, then you get to share them with your community. Amazing. Love it. You're empowering everyone. That's I hope so. so. <laughs> you are. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and um, we'll have to come back and do a part two. Um, for all of our listeners, thanks for coming and we will see you next time. Bye.